Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello Egg Chasers, Tim here in the Rugby Dungeon, alone. JB's on holiday. So is Phil. Phil's in France. JB's in Gran Canaria. doing you're right <clears throat> okay fortunately the wonders of modern technology mean that well no i can't get in touch with phil he is in a very rural part of france at a wedding uh, jb however is shunning his family to make sure he is still with you for this egg chasers rugby podcast so buenos dias mr beardmore buenos dias tim cocker how are you mate very well set the scene where are you what's around you what's going on <laughs> I'm in the la- I'm in the land, right? That time forgot. So uh, here in Puerto Rico, which is based in the, on the lovely island of uh, Gran Canaria, you can go to any bar, any bar here, and you, you're guaranteed to get at least three three types of disgusting gassy lager. There is not an IPA in sight for love nor money. Uh, the steaks here are served mandatory, it would seem, with uh, with with three sauces, which are, which are also left over from the eighties. Uh, yeah, it's um, pretty much exactly as you would expect a Spanish resort to be from the 80s. But it's hot and sunny. It is hot and it is sunny and, ev- and everyone's lovely. And you know what? England had another one wonderful result this weekend. <laughs> no, I say wonderful. I mean, you know, wonderful for me. I'm absolutely... Well, no, you know what? I'm delighted that I am separated from you by several thousand miles doing this podcast. It's going to make it <laughs> a little bit more bearable. So, yeah, on this podcast, obviously, we're going to talk about yes. downfall 2018 continuing. We're going to talk about New Zealand, France, Wales, and a quality tour of Argentina. And But I think I just want to start with the most impressive result of the weekend by the USA. The sleeping giant has stirred. So um, I got a text last night from our dear friend on the American Rugby podcast, Warren Mullis, who at about 20 past 11 last night texted me and said, put it on your board, this will be USA's first win over a Tier 1 nation. And lo and behold, he was right. And do you know who played very, very well? AJ McGinty. Our boy AJ McGinty, who had an absolute stormer, apparently. He did. He, he organised the team, managed the game absolutely brilliant, like a class international 10. And another player who we've, well, I was going to say we've seen in England. I've, you don't see him a lot, but Taufa, Taufa, 
Taufatiti or Taufa, I can't pronounce it right. The hooker from Worcester. Oh, you're the hooker from Worcester, yeah? Absolutely immense. Beast of a player. Yeah, two two tries and he... Uh, very, very strong boy, isn't he? Really strong boy. It was 30 degrees, 70% humidity. The game was played at 9pm in the evening or it was that was the conditions at 9pm in the evening. But Scotland got themselves into an amazing lead. Three tries to, uh, three tries to nil up. And the USA managed to claw back that lead. Such an amazing result for them. It's scary yeah, for the rest of the good... world if USA managed yeah, to well, use this as a springboard. Well, they've got a good coach involved now, haven't they, in Gary Gold, who's very, very pragmatic. You know, He'll take what he's got there and he'll fashion them into a decent international side. And that's exactly what's going on. Yeah, well, let's let's contrast that. I, I suppose for Scotland, I mean, there were some Scottish fans who were a bit dismayed that we we gave only a very cursory mention to Scotland last week against Canada, and now we're only mentioning them because because oh, the USA have won. Well, I mean, <laughs> well, I mean, it's only right that we um, put, <laughs> you know, that we that we write that wrong. Actually, Tim, let's talk about them a lot then today. <laughs> yeah, I think they might that's what they want. That's what they can have. <laughs> Well, the Scottish team was a lot of younger players and fringe players, but nonetheless, there were some of their big name, plenty, in fact, of their big names in there, and they would have expected to have won this. So it's it's very, very Scottish. I, I never want Scotland to change. Sublime to ridiculous in uh, in just a matter of a few games. Yeah, well, they used to go from sublime to ridiculous, didn't they? In the course of about 10 years, they spent a lot, a long, long time being ridiculous. Uh, before they got very good, and it seems that they're just doing that cycle again, but in lots in a lot shorter spurts, which is good to see. <laughs> let's uh, let's let's jump to you talked about Gary Gold, pragmatic, solid coaching, doing the simple things well, and let's move to Eddie Jones, who seems to be making something which could be relatively simple look really really complicated. Oh mate, this is so. I mean. It's it's tragic now, isn't it? You can kind of see the infestation of how that team works, the, the culture behind it. I, I tell you what was so so telling of the whole um, of the whole debacle was the way that Ben Youngs reacted after the game. I mean, that to me tells you how they are as a group, uh, how they think it's acceptable to behave. I know he's come off a bad loss, but you know, it's it's not a good place that they find themselves in completely agree and I can say as someone who uh, you know works on the Aviva Premiership and is in the position of thrusting a microphone in front of players faces before during and after games and Ben Youngs is always one of the most one of the first people to volunteer himself for that role before a game and is always an absolute true pro and a gent and very giving of his time so it was so out of character but I think as you say it 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 highlights a attention inside that squad also backed up by the fact that Joe Marler and Mike Brown apparently got into a little bit of an alter uh, well a verbal altercation with some fans as well after the game apparently Mm, yeah I've heard this and do you know what I've actually seen this in real life not Joe Marler I might add but I've seen Dan Cole kick off with fans before it was Dan Cole it's someone else at sale and watching it from where I was I was literally about 10 yards away from Dan Cole and I can't remember the other player and I actually thought you know being a player I know you've got to be extremely professional and all the rest of it but fans can get to you occasionally and you know I, I, I actually saw this and I was on the side of the players like you can get so much abuse because you're such because you're so in the you're so in the spotlight and I think sometimes fans just don't appreciate that 
you know, although these are massive blokes, they are just blokes, and the things that you continue to shout at them do affect them. And I kind of, I'm going to give them a, a, a pass on this because I know the sort of pressure that they must be under. Yeah, and I'm also giving Ben Youngs a pass. He because, like I say, his form is this is so uncharacteristic. And he came out and sort of ap- apologised and said, you know, that wasn't right. But Eddie Jones as well was very bullish once again in his post-match oh, interviews. Did you hear the Chris Jones interview? Yeah, fair yeah. play, Chris Jones. He he held it together rather well. He sounded like he was rushing a bit towards the, towards the end, but he asked some cracking questions. Well, I think it's when you just get. And I've had this a few times with Steve Diamond, funnily enough. Uh, when you get like one word, <laughs> one word answers, it's actually really difficult to keep chucking question after question after question when they're, all they're answering is, no, don't think so. I don't agree. Yeah, sure. Yeah, but these really, Yeah, I mean, that is a very Steve Diamond thing, isn't it? Yeah, 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 we're good. No, we're bad. Yeah, you can see that. <laughs> but Eddie Jones is far more. He, was, he wanted to talk, but didn't really want to give the answer. I thought it's very telling when he asked. Chris Jones, why he was being so aggressive. Yeah. Because Eddie, I think he said this to us, actually. I can't remember if he, see, I can't remember if it's another interview or if it was us in World Player of the Year. No, no, it, it, no, it was definitely someone else. They said there is a, a thing in England, right, where we don't deal with confrontation too well. And because we don't deal with confrontation too well, we call it calling people out, like you've called this guy out, you've called that guy out. And his view on it is no. You're just being honest with people continually. So I found it fascinating that he would say to Chris Jones, why are you being so aggressive? Because apparently that's what he's all for. It was uh, fractious and uncomfortable yes. and a bit awkward. And I, just I odd. I'm telling you right now that he is one argument away from walking away. I think he is literally just one one little hoo-ha from, I don't know, uh, you know uh, just name a premiership owner and he is gone. He's, he's going to walk. I guarantee it. There's lots of people, Lawrence Delalio today had read a good article saying there's a lot of things going wrong, there's a lot of things need to be fixed, but this isn't the time to hit the panic button. This is salvageable, it can turn it around with some relatively simple factors. But what struck me about the game is how so many simple things were made to look so hard. Uh, give me examples. So I've only seen the extended highlights. So right. you've got a better impression of what's been going on. So last week, last week's penalty count was t- between twelve and fourteen. I can't remember what which. And it, I think it was fourteen again yesterday. And the turnover oh, count was fifteen last week and was eighteen. Wow! In the in the wow. second test, eighteen turnovers and yeah. and fourteen penalties. Yeah, I mean that shows you, doesn't it, the value of a guy like James Haskell to look after your own your own ball. I mean, looking after your own ball is so underrated. Everyone's looking for sevens to go and steal other ball, but just keeping your own, you know, you solve a lot of problems. I can see that, but equally, do you know one person I think England really, really miss? Dylan Hartley. I never thought I would say that. But in, in what respect? Well, I don't think Jamie George has taken his opportunity. In terms of playing, particularly since Dylan mm. Hartley's been out with it, without out with concussion, but England just yeah. look a little bit rudderless in terms of leadership. And the perfect example of that was just before half time. England had a a penalty, and they could have gone in to half time ahead, and it was kickable. And Owen Farrell opted to kick it into touch. They didn't get mm-hmm. the the pushover try. Their their maul just doesn't look like a weapon at all at the minute. Straight after half time, or it might have even been before half time. I think, or was it straight after half time? One or the other. Uh, and 
South Africa got a penalty. Khaleesi pointed straight for the posts. And I think Dylan Hartley would have pointed for the posts and extended South Africa's lead. And I just think in a test match, England didn't score a point after, what, 17, 18 minutes. Um, They didn't score any more points. And just when you've got three points on offer in a tight test match just before half-time, what international captain does not take three points? Yeah, so uh, I'm going to disagree with you here. I'm not sure if it's a leadership problem. I think there's plenty of leaders. So you say that they miss Dylan Hartley. I would count with that with saying the Saracens miss Dylan Hartley. I mean, you know, there's a core of the team there. They've, you know, they've got Owen Farrell, who has captain Saracens in the past. Granted, they might be missing someone like Brad Barrett. But it's not. So, is it a lack of individual leadership? Or is it a lack of team focus and the, the team knowing what they're going to do in that situation rather than down to the individual decision-making? Yeah, well, p- perhaps you have a point, but the, the, the cauldron of Test Rugby is a, a really tough one. I mean, that said, Sia Khaleesi's only in his second Test matches as, as an international captain. <laughs> exactly. And not yeah. doing too bad either. No, this is true. And uh, the situation. Well, the one. Th- I just want to pick up on one thing Eddie Jones said in his post-match interview. He he made he made the point several times. I think both on television and on the radio interviews, saying how oh you know we know this was going to be hard. We got twenty five players unavailable. We knew it was going to be hard. We got twenty five players at home. So it felt like an excuse. And I was scratching my head trying Absolutely to think. Absolutely, did twenty five players. Yeah, I. Yeah, I, I would think. I mean, they might not be available. I mean, they might count someone like I'm just trying to think now. I mean, they might count Carl Ferns as not available. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, who are, who are the players that aren't available? Would they be starting, or have they been in camp recently? You know, are we talking about players like Benno Abano, or are we talking players like Dan, like Dan Cole? Well, I, I wrote that down. So I've got here who I think are unavailable because of injury, or they just can't play and would have been starting or could be in the match day squad. And I've got Dylan Hartley, Courtney Laws, yep. uh, possibly yep. Jonathan Joseph, Ben Teo, Jack Knoll, yep. George, George Cruz, yep. Sam Underhill, yeah, Anthony Watson. Yep. So yep. 25 is a, a stupid number because he decided to leave Danny Kerr, Dan Cole, James Haskell at home, uh, resting, quote, well, I don't think it's twi- I don't think there's 25 on a touring party, is there? 30... 31 or 32 maybe but there's there's one two three four five six so there's seven or eight players that i reckon could start could be starters have a good shout at starting a test match for england so maybe he has got a a small point but i don't like it being Mm -hmm. used as an as an excuse i completely agree i mean there simply is no excuse you've gone for a test match and, and that's it and you've taken the squad that you've decided to take because you think it's strong enough i mean that's the only reason that you would take it now did Brad Shields have a good game or not? Uh, he did okay, without without being because spectacular. I've... He butchered a he oh. butchered a try, uh, a critical moment in the game. He uh, he butchered a try. Not in the whole game, but reading through, uh, it looks like he was semi-effective. He apparently had the most meters or joint most meters of any England forward carrying, but he only made five tackles all game, and he might have missed one, which is pretty poor for a back row. Yeah, he was being used in in a wide channel quite a lot. And you know what? I was watching it, and Brad Shields found him was obviously has been deployed in kind of a, a wide position to you know get some ball carrying in wide positions, which is exactly what Don Armand does for Exeter Chiefs incredibly well. I, 
I was thinking that. So, like, Dead Shields doesn't have to carry in heavy traffic, but Don Armand does. Yeah. What? Makes no sense at all. Well, I'll tell you what makes no sense at all, okay? When Nathan Hughes will look really, really, looks really unfit, and he, he gave away an absolutely brain-dead yellow card towards the end of the game. Um, mm-hmm. You have... Billy Vanapola now out of the third test. He's fractured his arm. Has he? Same arm? Uh, I don't know if it's the same arm, um, but it, it's getting to be like death taxes and Billy Vanapola getting injured soon after returning from an injury. I hope he's not Jeez. the new Manu. Well, you can't do anything about breaks. I mean, that's you know, that's, that's just something, that's ha- something that happens. And at least he can run with this one, so his fitness shouldn't be affected as he's training to get over it, but he's out of the third test. So England's back row is looking really thin on the ground. And who did Eddie Jones decide to take on tour? Ben Earl. Ben Great. Earl. <laughs> the answer to all Good our one, prayers. Nice. So before we write him off, I mean, he could come on and have a stormer. Yeah, yeah, he could. But the point is, he's not even a, he, he doesn't even start for Saracens. And he's on. Yeah, the... but you've got, you've got, you've got to remember, Tim, they've left 25 number eights at home. <laughs> Well, this is true, but yeah. I, imagine what what are you thinking if you're at home watching this? I like if you're if you're Don Armand or well, well, Ham, or, Ham, Ham, Ham. what yeah. are fans thinking or what am I thinking? What what is uh, James Haskell and Don Armand thinking as they watch the game? Just... No, they're furious. Yeah, they're, they're absolutely furious. Their trust in Eddie Jones and the whole process has been absolutely absolutely shredded. So is probably a lot of the trust with trust within the squad itself. Uh, but as for your original question. What was I thinking, Tim? Yeah. I was thinking, I, I told you so. <laughs> I know that's what you were thinking. I didn't need to ask that. Yeah, just in case you're wondering. <laughs> uh, Mako, um, uh, Mako Vinopola has already uh, is gone home as well. That was apparently a prearranged thing. Uh, some places described it oh, as yeah. personal reasons. I think it may have been agreed before the tour, just because he was knackered. I mean, I'm sure we would have heard about this if it was agreed before the tour. Or better still, he just wouldn't have gone. So I don't believe that for a second. Um, so do you think anyone in this England team has come out with a better reputation than what they started with? Johnny May. That's exactly who I thought. He's had a brilliant tour. And possibly Mike Brown. He's inch, the international winger. Po- but compared, to, compared to where, he, where his stock was post-Six Nations, then possibly Mike Brown as well. Mm. You know what, Mike, Mike Brown, for me, has been very Mike Brownish. And what I mean by that is, like, you can't fault the guy's efforts, can you? So, you know, you, you can slate Eddie Jones for a lot of things. I don't think Mike Brown should have played on the wing, but it is where it is. And you just got to have an enormous respect for the guy for just getting on with it. He isn't the best winger. He does get done on the outside. He doesn't have the pace. But, my God, he has so much heart. I mean, not that anyone needs to be told that about Mike, Mike Brown, but that's, you know, that's Mike Brown through and through. This is true. Uh, the world rankings now are New Zealand 1, Ireland 2, as they were. Uh, Wales three, yep. <laughs> Australia four, South Africa five, England six. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, uh, that's a pretty rapid fall. Uh, just one other thing. Um, Downfall. You could describe it as. Down- well, yes. I mean, some people. I think some people have referred to it like that in the uh, <laughs> in the press. Um, oh, or podcasts. Um, one last thing for you. Uh, Owen Farrell played very well, I, I, I thought. And most importantly, he seems to have sorted out some of his tackling issues to a certain degree. He made 14 tackles yesterday and only missed two, which is by far his best performance in the England 12 shirt. By far. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think Owen Farrell has been particularly playing poorly. Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't, but I don't bloody know. I, I'm finding this really, really hard. It's hurting big time. I can tell you. Yeah. Well, uh, well, here's the thing which is pretty hurtful. Um, whereas uh, Owen Farrell seems to have sorted out his defensive frailties, and it could just be where um, South Africa attacked, or could just be something you know much specific which helped him with his tackle counts. Um, Henry, poor old Henry Slade, missed more tackles than he made. I think he missed five. Made four. Not acceptable. Might even be worse than that. It might have been five and two. Missed five, uh, made two. It, it was a very, very poor tackle count. Well, South Africa have clearly, they've clearly gone, we can, we've got, uh, we can take England if we just play an expansive game. And I think that's going to be mm. a challenge for England, isn't it? Because everyone can see now, it's happened in the Six Nations, it's happened now. You go wide with England and they really struggle. You play really fast against England and they really struggle. I don't know what to yeah, do. I mean, this is so annoying. It's so annoying, isn't it? Because you know, the secret to playing fast is to obviously get nice, clean ball, get over the game. I mean, you've got to have your building blocks in place before you can go wide. You've got to get over the game line. You've got to secure your ball, and then you can play wide. So if England can stop that, and there's no reason that they can't, because the players England have got are magnificent. I mean, they're probably the best group of players in the world, or if not, they are equal to many many of the squads and just with a bit of coaching and a bit of mouse they should be number two or three in the world it's it's a ridiculous situation that england is sixth in the world it's ludicrous that alone eddie needs to go he needs to either walk walk away or he needs to be fired it it's done it's over well do you know what i I think that the way to do it we could see a few weeks ago with the barbarians just exactly you've got the raw materials just get them loving playing rugby again do you mean, I mean, I, I can't think of a, a concise phrase for it, but do you mean something like, I don't know, let the boys play? <laughs> yeah, to, that, to, to avoid downfall be, 2018, to avoid downfall, let the boys play. Uh, yes, I quite agree. I couldn't agree more, actually. Uh, uh, do you know what uh, I reckon? I reckon sorry. Eddie isn't interested in Rugby World Cups. He loves records. So he got the most wins record, and then he thought, I want to flip, yep. and I want to go for the most number of straight defeats <laughs> in a row by a tier one team this year yeah uh, the most the most rapid descent not by a paratrooper <laughs> so loads of people have been piping up and saying different things Serene McGeekin saying and he knows a thing or two about play, uh, preparing teams to play in South Africa uh, he said that yeah, exactly. altitude is 100% a factor and that it was a total um, own goal not to bear that in mind and to train at sea level Mm, I don't know. I mean, look, uh, uh, of all the things he's got wrong, and he's got wrong many, many things, has already. But one thing I'm not going to knock him on is the sports science side because he's a rugby coach. Other people do the sports science. If they say go to altitude, you go to altitude. If they say go to the coast, you go to the coast. And I just don't think there's anything in that. I mean, some, you know, if he'd have won, we wouldn't have mentioned it. Uh, you know, and also, the other thing as well is I don't want it to act as some sort of smokescreen for what's really wrong. I mean, if they come away from this tour, I think, you know what, do you know what really was the problem? It wasn't Mike Brown at, um, uh, on the wing. It wasn't the fact that we've destroyed team morale using Brad Shields. It's not the fact that we've got uh, a whole backline of players out, um, out of position or utility players. It wasn't any of that. It's that we trained at sea level and we, and we played at altitude. If that's what, if that is their takeaway, that is, a, that, that is the worst possible scenario for all England fans. Because they're just going to keep on doing the same stupid stuff and carry on getting humiliated. But remember, the next game is South Africa. 
And the game after that is South Africa. So the same things will just continue to happen. I think it's a even. I think it is simple, and I don't necessarily think it's any of the things you just highlighted. I think it's it's, it's Eddie Jones's intensity, and there's all sorts of stories coming out about just his the the meticulousness of his approach is just sounds suffocating. He he, he tries yes, he try he, he tries to leave no stone unturned, but in doing so, he makes what is actually simple. You've seen Eddie Jones make that look unbelievably complicated and stressful and overbearing. Yeah, I, do you know what? I do wonder if Eddie Jones is... Do you know what? In the way that Stuart Lancaster's perfect position is probably like school coach or, you know, an actual rugby coach. Now, this isn't to say he's not a good rugby coach and blah, blah, blah. It means that Stuart Lancaster's primary position is the development of individuals as a coach. It's not a game manager. It's not a selector. It's none of these things. It's a coach. I wonder if Eddie Jones's perfect role is like like a scrum coach or a defence coach, but somebody else above him has to rein him in. Say, look, you're just too much of a dick, or you're just too much of a dick. You know, or only gives him, I mean, yeah, because only gives him. You've got an hour today and an hour tomorrow to work on your area, whereas he has total free reign to not just think about it twenty four seven, but when he wants to, whenever yeah. he wants to, act on it. In terms of changes for the, well, no, we're gonna we're gonna catch up with Phil um, later this week, aren't we? So we'll leave a we'll leave a kind of preview. Well, you might be catching you might be ca- ca- catching up with Phil. Uh, yes, yes, I'll be catching up with Phil. You'll be having a, a holiday. It's, it's worth reminding everyone. Yeah, actually, like we're that. still getting a podcast out there. I missed one in four and a half years. It occurred to me the other day. One podcast in four and a half years. That's on honeymoon, and I, do you know what? I regret it to this day. <laughs> What are your wife and uh, child doing right now? What are you abandoning them from? Got no idea. Um, I'm down <laughs> having a beer. I think I guess they're having watching Peppa Pig or something. Got no idea. <laughs> right. Well, I'm hoping that England uh, can turn it round and get good by the World Cup. Or I refuse to do a rugby podcast and we'll be doing a dance podcast or something, <laughs> or or just expanding our Love yeah. Island podcast as featured in the Observer. I will look. Oh, I, I don't. I, it, I guess that happened. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Um, right, let's talk about France, New Zealand, because yes. I think this is, uh, this, is, this is quite something which went on yesterday, uh, yesterday morning. Yes, uh, and which I, I, I will be forgetting for a while. Go ahead then, take the floor, JB. I presume you're talking about the red card incident. Benjamin Farr. Yeah, the red card. 
okay, so two things happen when France play, okay, and two things happened yesterday. More, more, more points. So Benjamin Fowles' red red card is one hundred percent a red card. There is there is no two ways two ways about it. Um, he was in a position to catch the ball, but he didn't catch the ball, and another lad, another lad ended up on his head. Red card. Fine. The problem is not that the laws were. Uh, applied incorrectly. That is what a lot of people were, are saying, by the way. Uh, I, I agree with sorry? you. I, I actually agree with you. And yeah. a lot of people might be surprised to hear me saying it was a red card, given how many times I've said I don't think it should be a red card. But I, I agree yeah, the laws were applied thing. correctly. It shouldn't so I, be a red card. Yes. No, no, absolutely not. Right. And I just thought, you know, I'm just deflated now. I, I was so looking forward to, forward to this game. I got it, ni- I got it nice and early. Made, uh, made myself some croissants and coffee. And before you know it, Benjamin Powell's off, and I'm thinking, well, what's the point now? What's the point? And who is this appealing to? I mean, uh, you know, all the fans, the fans were booing. The New Zealand fans were booing as Benjamin Powell walked off. Yeah, it's just pathetic. Um, and people will go on about player safety. Now, um, a guy who tweets us, regu- who tweets us regularly uh, said something along the lines like, he's lucky not, not to be, pa- be paralysed. Uh, it turns out he didn't mean exactly that. But the point being is, like, there's so much hysteria about landing on your neck or your head. And I can't think of a single example of, you know, someone being severely injured doing this, particularly in, in the pro game. And then other people will then pipe up and say, well, you know, it's uh, to spread the game far and wide. But the answer is, no, it's not. You know, the beauty of rugby lies in its physicality and the fact you can challenge for a ball in the air. It, they are ruining the game. And for what? To appeal to people that don't watch it anyway. It just really upset me, this one. Really upset me. But it is a red. Angus Gardner had a good game. And I'll tell you something something else as uh, as well, Tim. I won't go on too much longer. But I think part of this red had to do with um, Luke Pearce last week. Luke Pearce made the the decision, in my mind, that he was going to ref the game as he saw it, as quickly as he can, rely rely on his own instincts and literally just... Do not go up to the TMO unless absolutely necessary. Sadly for Luke Pierce, someone got their head caved in. This week, I think Angus Gardner was taking no chances. Was going to apply the letter, the letter of the law, because the last thing he wants is the same thing to happen to him as, as that happened to Luke Pierce post the first test. I don't disagree with that. And do you know what? You, the phrase you just used, as as we have said, that phrase "letter of the law," yeah. which is something a lot of fans have used. Outrage, outrage, red card, red card, letter of the law. That's what they asked for. And what they got yesterday was what we warned the consequence would be. You ask for the letter of the law. You start baying for blood every time there's a physical incident. Then this is what you will get. You will get games of rugby ruined because the letter of the law has been applied. I don't know what, if anything, can be done. Now, I'm not against letter of the law refereeing. I just believe the letters are wrong. You know, so there needs to be a change. This can't go on. And it has a strategic impact on the game. So coaches now are going to be looking at players and going to go, right, when there's a high ball, don't watch the ball, watch the player, let him land, hit it. Well, that's fine, right? That's absolutely fine. But then other coaches are going to be looking at it and saying, well, if we have the ball and we kick it up, there's going to be such a risk to the, op- the opposition to challenge us. That it's kind of a no, you know, it's a no-brainer. We'll, we'll put it up and we'll try and draw the yellow card. And if we don't draw the yellow card, we'll catch it with great field position away from their pack. And we, you know, their pack is going to the pack is going to, have to run from one side of the field to the other side of the field. And you know, they've, 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 without realizing it, 
giving teams like New Zealand a massively effective attacking weapon. And I'm not entirely sure how you go about, how you go, go about countering it. Well, one of the suggestions from Steve Hansen, who, and, and I want to be fair to Steve Hansen, because last week he said, as well, no, the, the French coach last week, Jacques Brunel, said he thought it was an accident when Remy Grosso got, um, got his skull caved in a little bit. Jacques Brunel, the French coach, said, accident, not a red card. Um, Steve Hansen, the New Zealand coach, said, I thought it was an accident, not a red card. That's what the sighting commissioners always also said. Now, but when the when the boot was on the other foot, Steve Hansen came out straight after the game and said, "That's not a red card, and we need to do something about this." I think it should go to a rugby league yeah. r- report style, so you're not ruining games. Yeah, I don't think this orange card is a goer. I don't think any of it, you know, it, report style is fine. Uh, people were saying that Benjamin Fowle wasn't in a position to catch the ball. So I think it's bizarre. He was in the air. Fowle just stays still. He catches the ball. So now it's a case of who's going to jump higher. I mean, you're just ruining the. You're basically making a, a bunch of new. You know, there's a bunch of consequences involved in this lawmaking, which people don't really think think about. And uh, yeah, they need to wind it in a bit. And I think they have to a degree, but you know, we still get stupid outcomes like this. And as a result, we don't really need to talk about the game a great deal. New Zealand were well, below par. France actually played pretty well, and um, I think showed they got something about them. Oh, hear me now, believe me later, Tim. When I get back, I'm going to write this on the board. France are going to win next year's Six Nations. I think they'll get a grand slam. Wow. There you go. Heard it here first. That is going on the board. Class outfit, mate. They are so powerful and they are so quick. And people that think that they're not, they are not, they're not watching the same thing. They've been unlucky against, um, against New Zealand. Uh, obviously, they got panned for first game, but they've got, the, got some of their players back. 14 guys that kept it very, very, uh, very, very tight, all things considering. But it's their Six Nations performances that, are, that really started to impress me. I think Jack Brunel's doing a great job. So come World Cup, France are going to get, France will get, get to semis, South Africa will get, and South Africa will, uh, will get to semis. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, well, the, the, it's nice to see the Northern Hemisphere, with the exception of England, and only in a one-off Scotland uh, having a little bit of a, an upturn in form. France looking really good. We, we, we can touch on Ireland in a minute, but Wales... Oh, sorry, Tim. Sorry, yeah. I have to interrupt you, right? Because yeah. at the start of the France game, I said two issues, and I only mentioned one. Can oh, I tell on. you about the other one? Cause I've been oh, no, please, talk, yeah, go on. About this. Right, sorry. I, I, shouldn't have, I shouldn't really have interrupted them, but I'm going... Uh, I no, have. I'm glad you did, JB. So the second, in the, <laughs> the second issue, and you're going to love this, there is something which happens to rugby union journalists when uh, France play. And it usually involves the, the French language. And people lose their mind because a referee doesn't speak French. And I mean lose their mind. There were some seriously high-powered journalists uh, uh, on Saturday morning. I saw them as Same well, JB. It is... <laughs> it is unacceptable. Uh, and they may as well they may as well do this thing, you know, when you know, when someone puts the, puts the date on the end of a sentence to make it, you know, just give it more grandeur. It is unacceptable in 2018 that a that a referee can't uh, can't can't speak French. I think you must be insane. I mean, which kind of what, what kind of tier one referee is going to be able to um, ref, uh, ref Fiji versus Georgia? I mean, where are you going to find that that sort of high profile linguist? And then like the, the other part of this insane proposition. Uh, it's like, well, in that case, uh, the ref shouldn't talk to anyone. Well, that's also nonsense, because maybe as the captain of an international rugby team, 
you should make it your business to learn English. Everyone speaks English. Well, most people speak English. But even more importantly, you know, people like the Civil Aviation Authority all speak, guess what? English, because it's it's a good way to operate. Com uh, companies, German companies like Volkswagen operate in China. And what is the co common language? I'll give you a clue. It's English. Uh, Hitachi, in, uh, uh, main, uh, main language, English. Honda, English. Um, Loads and uh, Sodexo, a French company, English. I cannot say the only reason they do this, right, is because they want pats on the back from other journalists saying, Oh, you are so progressive, you are you are so thoughtful and such a great guy, but you're not. They're, they are idiots. It is a stupid, stupid notion. It's one, uh, it's one thing to say. When a when a referee Alan Roland, let's say, as he did, and Wayne Barnes has got pretty fluent in French, it's okay to kind of say that's fantastic that they've made the effort. Uh, in Wayne Barnes's case, he's made the effort to to develop his French throughout his rugby career. You you can pat someone on the back for doing that, but to say that it's disgraceful that referees get picked for for games when they can't speak French playing against France, I agree, is ridiculous. Because what happens, like in the World Cup, Russia are going to be there and Georgia are going to be there and Argentina are going to be there, Spanish. Um, so where does this end? <laughs> exactly right, mate. Exactly right. So, um, yeah, I mean, having a go at Angus Gardner, right? Angus Gardner lives like 6,000 miles away from France. It's not like... It's not like he lives in Dover and might encounter the odd French person, or he's an Italian ref. Six thousand, maybe eight thousand miles. I know, thousands, thousands of, of miles away. Most importantly, he knows how to apply the laws, and that's all that I really care about. And that's what everyone should really care about. I mean, those poor French citizens that want to read their match reports have to use Google Translate instead of just reading it. I mean, it's a disgrace. Unbel Oh well, I mean, why aren't they using? Um, why isn't Angus Gardner using using the Maori language? Because that's the official language of New Zealand. Not only that, it's a uh, you know, it's it's borderline racist. Now, now, Tim, I'm going to have to go because um, I have just had family members walk up to me asking why I am still podcasting on holiday. So I'm going to leave. I'm going to have to leave you to it. But just to give you a flavour of what Grand Canary is like, I've just left a bar called the Wigwam Bar which is cultural appropriation personified. And do you know what? I love it. <laughs> JB, one more question before you go, briefly. Did you see Ross Moriarty yes. attempting to choke out Nicola Sanchez? Yes, and I loved every second of it. And I thought the slow motion did it every bit of justice <laughs> that it deserved. Do you think red card? Uh, yeah, so in, 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 today's, in today's world, it's a red card. But do you know what? I'd do it again. <laughs> I, I I found it it's really entertaining. Red, it's We've a got good a, red card, and I think every team needs a nasty piece of work that you would just would not mess with. And Ross Moriarty, at age twenty three, has got a long and gnarly, horrible rugby that, career ahead of him. Is that all he is? Yeah, yeah. What a terrifying man. JB, go and in, go and enjoy your holiday. Thank you very much, mate. Well, and I'll I might be talking to you later on tonight for the Love Island pod. Oh yes, we may well do that. I'll catch up with you in a bit, Jay. In a Take bit. care, mate. Bye bye. Later's. The enigmatic Jonathan Beardmore there. Uh, I think we know who wears the trousers in his, his relationship. Did you just pick up on the, the slight noise of his wife and child in the background? How long are you going to be? How long are you going to be? And then a very hasty retreat. He likes to act like he's in control and be, moves to the beat of his own drum, but I think we just saw it's always a little bit different. And on Father's Day as well. That's all right. It'd be no different for me either. Uh, right, so I, I've got to apologise to Wales and Irish fans. Uh, it's only a... 
not not really apologise. I can't apologise that JB had to go uh, and enjoy his holiday. I can apologise that there's going to be a slight delay on breaking down fully uh, your matches. Ireland and their first win in Australia since 1979. 39 years. So I know Ireland are number two team in the world and Australia are kind of just coming back from being quite poor, but absolutely awesome for Ireland. Really, really impressive. Any win for Ireland in Australia is absolutely massive given the history there. And Ringrose back in the side made a massive difference. And Furlong, uh, man, one of my favourite moments, David Pocock, like a mollusk over the ball, like a limpet on it. And Tyg Furlong, absolutely beasting him out of a out of a ruck, was one of my favourite bits of the weekend. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to getting into that a little bit more with Phil and hopefully JB later on in the week. And likewise for Wales, what a successful tour to Argentina this has been for Wales already. And what's so impressive about them, well, not just the, I think the skills that were on show, ridiculous basic skill levels, really, really impressive. And that's what I always remember, uh, even when I used to go and play like, you know, Colts rugby tours, we'd go across or we'd play Welsh teams or school level, you'd play a Welsh side. They always had this flair and this skill. And that's what's been lacking. And I know it's pragmatic Gatlin ball, but it's so fantastic to see the shackles being let off and um, all the better for it. But I think what's most pleasing for Wales, and you must be delighted as a Welsh fan, to know that you're not going to be filling any of those World Cup 2019 squad spots with filler. There's not going to be players that aren't good enough to be there because it's looking like from what we've seen in Argentina there's depth in every single position and there are going to be good players left back in Wales really really positive Um, maybe a couple of props they could do with but that front five in general looking a lot stronger and the back row talent is ridiculous I'm very envious of that I wish Ross Moriarty hadn't opted to play uh, for Wales there you go can't have it all um I've just depressed myself thinking about England again, so I think I'm going to go right now. Um, hit subscribe. We will be doing another podcast in the week. Phil will bring his expert take to proceedings. JB will probably have some more ranting and raving to do as we look ahead to uh, next weekend's games. And we'll have the uh, under-20s Rugby World Cup final to break down as well. So um, there we go. That's it for now. Hit subscribe. Uh, you may have caught that we had a special offer on Beer 52 at the start of the podcast. If you skipped past that, go back and listen because a free case of South African beer just because you listen to us. Beer52.com slash egg. All you do is pay for the postage, two ninety five, and then it will be delivered to you with absolutely no obligation to continue. But we think you'll want to because Beer 52 know how to pick a beer or two. So Beer52.com slash egg. Get involved and let the boys play. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.